Good morning, Apex. We are doing a very laid-back version of Sunday worship today. Chris is here to lead us in a little bit of song worship. Um, we'll read the scriptures together and pray, um, and then um, I'll be sharing a word from scripture. It's great to be able to share with you like this, probably over the next two or three weeks as we're listening carefully to our civil leaders will be sharing in this way and um, and we'll probably be wanting you to join us in our daily prayers which we'll offer by zoom uh, from Monday onwards and we'll give you the uh, we'll give you the details of how to join us anyway over to you Chris <laughs> Are navigating this difficult time, this uncertain time, but we still need to worship. God's still on the throne.
Dressed in his righteousness alone. 
want to read um, just a few verses from Psalm 130. It speaks about waiting and longing for the Lord to change circumstances. I know uh, many of you are self-isolating. Others of you uh, feel very trapped. And uh, there are members of your family who are reaching out to you who are desperately afraid right now. Here's a, here's a scripture that I think really helps us in a time like this. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Lord, we pray at this time for those in desperate need, Lord. Thank you for the food distribution that we've been able to do for the elderly and the young and the infirm, Lord. We heard terrible news this week of all kinds of circumstances where people were hungry and afraid a little boy of four in a house by himself with no food. Lord, we ask for mercy at this time. We ask for mercy, Lord, for the, for the most vulnerable and those who are the most isolated and afraid and uh, we thank you Lord that we have an entirely different perspective than those who are so afraid right now thank you Lord that we have a hope and we have a future and we have a destination Lord we pray that we might live and share and witness and and bring encouragement in such a way that others ask for an explanation of the hope that is within us. We pray, Lord, that you revive our hearts during this time, that you revive our families during this time, and that, Lord, you revive our city, our state and nation. Lord, may the outcome of this, of this terrible plague be the transformation of lives and the transformation of this nation. Lord, we wait for you like, like watchmen wait for the morning. And we know, Lord, when we wait, we do not wait in vain, because in you there is full hope and redemption. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Um, I'll be sharing uh, with you the word in just a moment, uh, but for now, uh, that's our worship for the day, and we trust that you'll uh, continue to worship 
as you enjoy this day, the Lord's Day. Bless you. God bless. Well, it was great to um, share in worship with Chris. I found it impossible not to sing, even though, <laughs> even though the plan was for, uh, for him to lead us out. But that's the nature of worship, isn't it? It just draws your heart out and uh, we find ourselves caught up into wonder, love and praise. So um, what is the, what's the word for today? Well, as you all know, we've been working through Luke and uh, will no doubt get to the Acts of the Apostles uh, in due time. And of course, we're right here in chapter 13. And uh, chapter 13, uh, towards the end of chapter 13, as Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem, and we'll be looking at the way in which Jesus' heart is torn as he considers his entry into Jerusalem next week, and, and uh, hopefully Chad will be able to share with us uh, next weekend. Um, as Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem, obviously he's beginning to think very much about the triumphal entry, the last days with his disciples before the cross. He's beginning to think about the cross and the prospect of the cross. And he's, he's beginning, as it were, to activate the joy that is set before him, which allows him, that propels him towards the cross. Because the joy is not simply his resurrection that will take place three days after his crucifixion, but our resurrection and the resurrection of all those who name him as Lord and who follow him as Savior. So Jesus is, is thinking about these things, he's considering these things, and uh, we find ourselves here in chapter 13 and uh, verse 22. I'll come back and read uh, verses 18 through 21 a little bit later, uh, but right now let me just uh, read this to you from verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, but many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast 
in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there will be those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. So here's Jesus really making it as clear as he's able. It's absolutely crystal clear that there is a destination for his disciples, but there is a decision to be made for those who are in the process of considering discipleship. And the decision is this, do they want inclusion or exclusion? Do they want to be those who are weeping and grinding their teeth because of the, because of the anxiety they feel having been excluded from this great celebration when the last day is announced and Jesus returns and ushers in all of his people into the kingdom awaiting them? Will they be those who are excluded or those who are included? Of course, there's a secondary consideration there for those who are included as to whether they've been included as the first or the last. And really what Jesus is doing by making that reference at the end of this, at the end of this teaching is to say that always in the kingdom of God, there is radical equality. There is always an evening up of the scales. There's always a filling in of the valleys and a, a lowering of the mountains. And so those who may be considered first in this world and in this life will be quite differently considered in the next life. And those who are considered marginalized, isolated, of little importance or significance in this life, again, will be considered in a completely different light in the world to come. Everything will be balanced out and equaled out. But what is it that we are to really take from this? Because it's tremendously important that we understand this during this time of great anxiety and, uh, and great trouble. Hopefully we'll never go through one of these experiences again, but who knows? But certainly none of us have experienced anything like this. The economic shock is very considerable to the world and to our nation. The social upheaval is really very profound. And the sense of personal anxiety experienced and expressed by so many is as great as I've ever heard it. This is a time for reconsideration. In the daily devotionals, the, the little videos that I've been posting on the Apex Instagram and Apex Facebook and on my own uh, social uh, media platforms, those little devotionals have been pointing us towards this opportunity. And what is the opportunity? This enforced retreat, which always in scripture leads to revelation. 
a revelation of who we are, a revelation of who God is, and a revelation of what the Holy Spirit is able to do in and through us. This enforced retreat brings about revival if we allow it. But in that reviving work, one of the things that the Spirit will want to do in our life, one of the things that the Lord Jesus will want to do in our life as he wanted to do in the lives of his first disciples, is to give us a new perspective. Often our perspective is drawn to ourselves, to our own survival, to our own needs, to our own concerns, and that's entirely understandable. If we are not looking to our own concerns to some degree, then perhaps we're not fully formed yet as mature believers. Of course, there will be concerns that we'll have for ourselves and our children, our spouse and our wider family, our house church and, and our friends and neighbours, of course. But there is a perspective that Jesus is always drawing us to. In Matthew 6, you'll remember, he points us to seeking first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the concerns of your heart will be taken care of. There is a seeking first the kingdom that is really the challenge of this day. And, and what, would that, what would that seeking first do for us? Well, for the people in the, in the parable that Jesus has just outlined, it changes the way that they perceive their present. Jesus says, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. Those narrow gates are a very familiar feature of the ancient cathedrals and castles of Europe. I've been through many of them. And of course, they were familiar features in the world of Jesus. In the large doors that would protect the cities and would be set within the walls of the city, there would be a smaller door, often called the night gate. And that, that night gate, called by John Bunyan the wicket gate, in the midst of the larger door, this small door really causes anybody of any stature, but certainly somebody of my stature, to have to kind of contort themselves to get through it. You can't just walk through this narrow door. It has a very high lintel, so you have to step over it. It has a very low uh, top to it, so you have to stoop down. And if you're carrying anything, then you need to take it off and step through the door, and then, if you're going to bring it with you, take it with you afterwards. What, a, what an image that is of what it means to enter into the perspective that Jesus wants us to enter into. Because, you see, he wants us to be focused on our destiny, not on the current disaster. Jesus wants us to be focused on our destination, not on the depressing realities that surround us. 
this is not so much that we are more heavenly minded that we're that we're not earthly good it's it's that it's that by having a perspective on the kingdom we're able to measure the value of the things in our life and the things around us you see we have a hope of a better day we have a hope of a brighter world we have a hope of a greater knowledge of god and of his kingdom and that day will dawn and we're one day closer to it today than we were yesterday and that hope as it fills our hearts and and captivates our being is the thing that draws us from the depressing circumstances that surround us and take us towards the future this is what it means to be filled with hope and to be filled with hope means that our focus is on the future and for our focus to be on the future we need to enter through that narrow gate setting aside the things that would hold us back stooping bowing submitting ourselves to the perspective of the world that the lord has which is defined by the kingdom that he has prepared for us not the world that is wasting away and so as we gain and as we gather to ourselves as we garner to our hearts and minds a view of the future that god has prepared for us so our way of understanding our lives and the lives of the people around us changes and our lives are full of hope there's so much hopelessness around it's so important that for the good of our nation the good of our city the good of our street the good of the people around us maybe people who are followers of Jesus but they're struggling to really grasp what it is that God is saying right now it's really important that we allow that hope not only to fill our hearts but to overflow from our hearts and of course as it overflows it will overflow as faith because faith is being certain of what we hope for so the hope of the future the hope of the of the great celebration and feast of of all that god has planned for us his children is the focus and direction of our life and it changes the way that we encounter the present we're not so concerned about personal survival we're much more concerned about the salvation of the world we have received salvation and that salvation has caused us to taste the powers of the coming days Pepsi green <coughs> excuse me I'm sorry darling I'm recording Sunday's sermon I'll get back to you <coughs> Excuse me I'll just take a drink So um so as we as we consider these these great realities these great truths and allow them to birth hope in our lives what is the what is the process that we can engage with that causes them to be a greater 
and greater reality? How can the kingdom hope become something that fills us and, and as it were, inhabits the chambers of our heart that so often are the places where fear stalks and anxiety lives? How, how can we grow in these things? Well, Jesus makes it very clear in the few verses before the passage that I just read, Jesus says this. Then Jesus asked, this is verse 18, by the way. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. What is it like to grow in this attitude that, that drives away anxiety, in this perspective that allows us to receive the love of God, that, that casts out the fear that would lurk in our hearts? What's it like to grow? Well, it's like growing a tree from the smallest of all seeds. The smallest of all hopes that you have in your heart, allow God to cultivate that by his spirit. Allow him to, to fertilize it with his word. Allow him to grow this hope within you. And if you look at that seed that Jesus in another place says grows first as a shoot, then as the plant, then as the full wheat in the ear. As we allow that process to develop and grow in us, so it begins to fill all of our life, fill all of our thoughts and change all of our behaviours. Jesus goes on to talk about yeast in flour, probably really leaven in flour. There's not a lot of yeast around in the ancient world. It's mostly leaven where you keep back a little bit of the of the of the of the dough that's already been uh, that's already been leavened, that's already risen, and you keep that back and you and you put that into the next uh, batch of dough. It talks about it being worked through. What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. This circumstance that we're facing now is a working through of the leaven of the kingdom. It's a working through of the leaven of the kingdom into our thoughts as we take captive every thought and bring it in submission to Christ. It's, it's working through our behavior patterns as we, as we submit all of our ways to the ways of the Lord. In the ancient world, when the church was still very young, meeting in house churches throughout the Roman Empire, being periodically persecuted by the, by the civic and civil authorities. The church 
found that times of great social crisis were times when God not only worked the leaven of the kingdom into them, but worked it from them into the community. Rodney Stark, in his great book that I've mentioned on a number of occasions, The Rise of Christianity, talks about how the Christian church meeting in house churches was able to make a substantial change in the culture of the cities in which they lived during times of plague. There were several plagues in those early centuries of the church's life before the church was given the freedom that it was given under Emperor Constantine in 313. In those 250 years or so, when sometimes the church was persecuted and sometimes the church was free to go about its business, there were large plagues that, that beset those Roman, those Roman cities and the empire as a whole. During those times, the wealthy people, as I hear is taking place in Europe right now as people leave the large cities like Paris and London, the wealthy people went to their country estates and to their country homes and left the cities to struggle on with the plague. But the Christians remained. And of course, because the circumstances of virology were the same then as they are now, except that people just didn't understand it, as the Christians came through these, these terrible health crises by being nursed back to life by their Christian brothers and sisters, so they had immunity to go into the slums of those cities. And they're depicted in contemporary literature as angels going through the slum quarters, the plague-infested communities of the Roman Empire, bringing solace and healing and a miraculous touch to the people of the cities. And of course, when the plagues were gone and those people recovered from the terrible medical crisis that they faced, what happened was, of course, that the God of the Christians was honored above the God or the gods of the Gentiles, the gods of the Romans. And so the church made great leaps forward during this time because as the leaven of the kingdom was worked into the hearts of the Christians, so it was worked out from the hearts of those Christians into the hearts of others. My prayer for us, we who are the church of Jesus Christ, surely essential workers in this time of crisis, my prayer is for you and I, that this time would be used as a time to work the leaven of the kingdom, a future hope, a heart that is filled with hope for the destination that we're called to, that that leaven of the kingdom will be worked into us and worked from us into the lives of so many needy and broken and fearful people at this time. I think it'd be good to pray, don't you? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your teaching of the kingdom and your encouragement to seek first the kingdom. 
And Lord, we want to be those who are included in the kingdom and not excluded. And so, Lord, we choose to go by the narrow way. And we choose, Lord, to allow you to grow the hope of the kingdom in our hearts. I pray today, Lord, for any who have not gone through the narrow door, who have not known the narrow way, but find themselves lost in a world of anxiety. Lord, today I pray that those dear ones would humble their hearts and go through that narrow opening into the kingdom and see a future that you have for them, a future that you have prepared for all of your kingdom, for all of your kingdom children. Lord, that future that can so captivate our hearts that it causes us to hope even in the midst of these difficulties. And Lord, for those of us who have already entered by the narrow gate and walked in the narrow way, Lord, may we continue to grow in the things of the kingdom. May we, Lord, be those who not only hope for the kingdom in the future, but see the kingdom as we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, may we see the signs and the wonders. May we see the miracles. May we taste the powers of the coming age. And may it be, Lord, that as you work the leaven of the kingdom into us, that you work it out from us and touch the lives of many. Lord Jesus, help us to connect through all of these amazing methods of connection that you've given us and bring hope to a lost world. We pray it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure sharing with you today. Uh, we'll be sharing every day. Aaron and the family ministry team will be offering all kinds of resources uh, to you and your children. Uh, we'll be sharing with you um, both uh, little daily devotionals and I've ensured that you can get hold of my corpus of material of daily devotionals if you look on the Apex website under the sermons and devotionals tab you'll you'll find it all there or you can go to my uh, my Instagram page and uh, you can sign up for lots and lots of uh, free devotionals and so we'd be delighted to share those with you and through this coming week let's find ways as house churches to connect we can maybe connect on zoom or go to meeting or whatever it is that your your preference is in terms of uh, of connecting using this amazing uh, world that we're we're now part of let's be connecting as house churches and um, let's be sharing in prayer i'll certainly be making the prayer times available to you at um at 8 30 in the mornings and so do join us there bless you this week and uh, be praying and be lifting your head because we're those who wait for the morning like the watchman and as we wait our hearts are filled with hope god bless